Hello, listeners. Glad you made it to another episode of Dispatches from the Edge of Nowhere. This is your hostess, Tris G, coming to you from an undisclosed location. Been here about a week now. Not much to keep me company, except you, listeners. Got a message from Demond. He should be back next week. Good news, to be sure. But till then, it's just you and me. However, I'll have to find another spot soon, though, because, well, the cost of staying here for another week may not be feasible. I could be booted out at any given time, and that's just no good now, is it? Especially when the risk of eviction is also combined with the risk of being reported to the authorities, even when it's something as minor as not paying my rent. With nowhere being full of snitches, I can't exactly let that happen, at least not without the necessary coin. But that brings me to this week's question. What is your hustle? With the global economy these days being what it is, what kind of work would you do to keep a roof over your head? I know that's a question I ask myself often. Your humble hostess doesn't do this for her bread and butter, and what she does do isn't cutting it anymore. That seems to be the case for many in my generation. For most of us, our jobs are very, 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 um, what's the word? Temporal. And for good reason. Many places that we work at now no longer feel the need to invest in employees no need to train them, especially when the market has been flooded with so many suitable candidates with more than enough experience. That's unfortunate, because that also means that the likelihood that you'll start at the bottom of a company and work your way to the top, well, that's just not doable. Or if it is, it's just not as likely. In fact, you'll probably tire of the position long before you even make it to the top. And that is unfortunate, because it also goes against the major narrative of the American dream, where you start at the bottom and work your way to the top. Arguably, that has never been 100% the reality for everyone, but really, centuries of being fed that is hard to deprogram, at least, if you're over the age of 40. Really, I remember when I was younger and my parents were educating me on how to find a job. The process was usually simple. You find a place that you wanted to work, you go to that place, request to speak to the manager and inquire about any positions therein. You know, have a face attached to your name. Now, while in yesteryear, that was seen as a form of initiative and may have actually worked for more than enough people. Imagine my surprise when, in my late teens and early 20s, I decided to do the same maneuver. After years and years of having been told that that was what I should do, imagine me walking into your local blockbuster. And I'm, I know I'm dating myself here, but imagine walking into your local blockbuster or food chain, or grocery store, and asking to speak to the manager and inquiring about positions 
and then being told one very, very seemingly innocuous phrase. One that, unbeknownst to you, is going to be a very common refrain through much of your early adult life. And that phrase is apply online. Now, at the time, that might not seem like much, especially when you're a teenager or an early 20-something who's nervous about getting their foot in the door. Meeting someone who may be your boss one day is a little nerve-wracking, especially before the interview. So being told to apply on something that, well, let's face it, you have more knowledge of than the actual working world is a bit of a godsend. So you go home, you hop on the internet as you've done time and time again, and you go to the place that you're applying to. And you're met with a questionnaire that asks you very various questions, ranging anywhere from what you would do in case you saw an employee trying to steal something, to asking you whether you associate with sketchy individuals. You go through the hundreds and hundreds of questions, answering either from agree to disagree. Maybe you're a very middle-of-the-road person and don't really have very many opinions on one or the other, not realizing that you yourself are actually guaranteeing that you will not get the job you're applying to. After about an hour, you finish your application and you send it in and you wait, confident that you make the requirements the bar isn't exactly high. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And sometime during this waiting, you may actually in fact call the place you applied to. But more often than not, they won't have any real information for you. And you know why? Because you see, that questionnaire you filled out was a uh, poor man's psyche valve that was sent to a company that wasn't in any way, shape, or form the one you were applying to. And if you answered enough questions in a way that, okay, to be blunt, if you answered any questions that weren't at the polar opposites of each other, then you were automatically thrown in the dustbin. At no point is your resume ever seen, neither are your credentials. You are left on read. And not even really that, as no person you'd want to see your resume even saw it. And you do this another time, thinking that maybe, perhaps, you weren't the best candidate. And then you do it over and over again. Every last place you apply to, reaction is the same. Radio silence. And as time goes on, you age and you know that you should have something on your resume. After all, by the time you're in your early 20s, you should have at least had some work experience. Right, listeners? But, unfortunately, it's a buyer's market out there, and that is not a guaranteed thing. Not in the slightest. And so, you begin to think, okay, well, what can I do? How do I get more proactive about how I can get employment? So, you go to a job fair and you wait in line for hours and hours and hours to see prospective employers. 
And then you're met with the same phrase. After having spent an entire day standing behind hundreds of people just like yourself, some of them in their best interview suits, you discover that it was ultimately all for nothing. Now, at this point, many people would suggest a handful of options. It's either join the military, which to be frank, not every single one of us wants to do or is even in fact capable of doing. You can go to college, which might seem like the logical thing after all. If you don't have any knowledge in a particular thing, where's the best place to get it? Or you can result to more shady means. You can sell drugs. You can sell your body. You can do a number of things. Now, generally speaking, the route most people pick is college. Why? Because we've been led to believe that college is the number one avenue for a better future. And to a degree, this has historically been the case, at least for our parents and maybe a few Gen Xers. But in all reality, for us, it might as well have been a prison sentence. Because on average, most of us are graduating with at least 30K in debt. And with the economy being the way it is, it's almost near impossible to pay it back in a way that doesn't deprive you of any other means of living. So, you come out of college thinking that it'll be all worth the effort, that those four years will eventually pay off. You could have either become a doctor or a lawyer or some other profession that piqued your interest. After all, it's best to do something you love, right? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, or at least the saying goes. Unfortunately, what it doesn't take into account is that we live in a capitalist society. And while there's much value for medical professionals, lawyers, and scientists, professions like, say, artists, even when that art is geared towards monetary gain, let me just lay it to you like this. What a person does with their life in a capitalist society is only justified by how much money they make doing said thing. And while doctors can reasonably expect to make hand over fist at some point in their careers, depending on their discipline, of course, say an animator doesn't have that same certainty. In fact, unless an animator makes it big after pitching their show to some major studio, or glowing up somewhere on the internet, they will more than often have to find a job that isn't in any way, shape, or form connected to what they went to school for. And this is a problem because it's not just artists. In a capitalist society, it's almost guaranteed that with the exceptions of a certain percentage of the population, most everyone else is working a job that steals their life away. And one can argue that this is by design. After all, it is also American tradition to make as much money as you can and then burn the ladder out from under you so that no one can follow you. So you can keep making money and all the people who helped get you there 
Every last one of them is not given the credit that they deserve. All the while, the people who make you your food, who wash your clothes, who clean your house, who walk the overly expensive dog that you keep in a purse, every last one of them are struggling, or at least having a little bit of a difficult time keeping a roof over their head. With the cost of living these days across the country, it's really hard to find some place that is comfortable to live in and be affordable. You can't have both these days, it seems. So, if a place is affordable, chances are you have to worry about it being in a bad part of town. If it's nice, chances are it's not very affordable and will probably put a strain on your paycheck. And many people are having to figure out whether they want to keep a roof over their head or whether they want to put food into their stomach. They have problems getting both. And some have the reaction that perhaps they should go to school or join the military, completely ignoring that it's very well possible that they did both already. Sure, there are social programs in place, but really, those are only a band-aid for a much bigger problem, and it's not uncommon for certain political parties to try and cut any social programs that might alleviate the stress. And yet, there's a strange generational gap in how this is all perceived. Older generations, who grew up in a time when there was a little bit more worker security, when it wasn't uncommon to start a job someplace and be there well into old age, now look at the younger generation and consider them lazy and entitled. Completely, of course, ignoring that the work economy that they remember is not the work economy that we entered. Things are more difficult. We could lose our job at the drop of a hat. We may find ourselves homeless one day, and never mind the fact that we are keenly aware that life is short and want to experience as much of it as possible. So is it any reason that we don't want to work in a factory well into our 50s and 60s, with retirement being little more than a pipe dream, with so many of our necessities being linked to that one place? That place that doesn't care whether we have those necessities or not. Needless to say, listeners, it's a very, very, very stressful state of affairs. And if you're LGBT, it's especially not any fun, especially if you live in a state that sees it fit to not have any unions or any protections in place that would prevent discrimination against you. Historically speaking, members of the LGBT community have had to get creative with their employment options and many end up resorting to things that their respective societies would not approve of. With many managing to make very lucrative careers out of it. Some of us manage to make money doing freelance work, such as writing or drawing, or something that allows us to tap into our own talents on our own terms and parlay that into something more beneficial to our needs. And while these things can also be stressful, the market is fickle after all. But on the flip side of the coin, 
we might find ourselves doing things that we wouldn't do otherwise. Now, this is not to say that the things that we pick in and of themselves are bad. In fact, many people make very, very lucrative careers out of these things and enjoy them very, very much. So, listeners, please don't misconstrue what I am telling you. I am simply saying that what is one person's joy is not necessarily another person's cup of tea. And if they're forced to do that thing, well, they are not going to have a good time. One person might take up canning and thrive off of it. Another person just might have their own lawn business and work hours and hours in the hot sun. I would venture to say that if the roles were switched, neither person would have a particularly great time. Side hustles can be tiring and they're even more tiring when they're not something you want to do. After all, you're already wasting all your time at that other job, but the main point is they're making money for themselves. They're making money for themselves and are able to put that money towards their own goals and not making the dreams of someone else come true. And that is living life. Work is only a means to an end to achieve what you wish to achieve in life. No more, no less. And more people, if they were able to do that which they were good at, which gave their life meaning, our society would be much better. It would function more, as more people would be able to put out more what they're good at, and everyone around them benefits. But that's unfortunately not how it works. That's never been how it works. If you're not making money, you don't matter. It doesn't matter if what you do enriches the lives of others. If you don't make money, you don't matter. You don't matter at all. And if you don't matter at all, then you deserve to not have anything good in life. Or at least that's what many of us are led to believe. That our struggles are our own fault because we just simply aren't making the money we feel we should be. This huge guilt trip is the source of pain for many, many people. Depression and stress are two major problems that the average American deals with. And why? Because they are unable to live their lives in ways that they should. And I'm not referring to depression in the clinical sense, but rather as a result of realizing that your existence is slowly ticking away and you may never, ever, ever become the thing that you feel you're meant to be. And I know personally, listeners, if I wasn't doing this for you, I would not be having a very good time. It's certainly very, very difficult out there, listeners. But you know what's not difficult? The Geek Astronaut Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give them a listen. Might help with those long shifts that you're bound to be working right now as we speak. Oh, great. I've either been found again, or it's time to pay up. Remember, listeners... 
These days, everyone's got a hustle. And I ask you this question again. What's yours? Tris G. Signing out. <laughs>